Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome back to Listen with Leah. This is Leah speaking. Thank you guys for taking the time to be here today. My first episode is going to be the first part of a two-part series about leadership. And I think at this point, my generation has a fairly good grasp of what it means to be a good leader and the qualities that a good leader should possess. And so I want to focus more on some real world applications of leadership. So this can include formal positions of leadership within a school, an organization, or the workplace, or informal positions of leadership that one might just step into when guidance is needed. So my interview for this first segment is going to be with Brandy Emerson, who is not only a mother of two children, but is also a fantastic leader and a cultivator of culture. So enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm here and I have Brandy with me right now. Brandy, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Brandy is actually our first guest on the show. So we're just going to start off by asking you kind of a little bit about your background, um, your education, and kind of what you do for your job now. Sure. Happy to. Uh, Thanks so much for inviting me. Uh, A little bit about my background. So I am a people leader uh, through and through. I started my career about 17 years ago working in the people space. I've held a number of different roles throughout human resources, traditional human resources, from you know benefits administration to compensation to talent management and employee relations, and have held increasingly more responsible leadership positions throughout that 17-year period. I've worked in a few different industries. I've worked in nonprofit healthcare. I've worked in for-profit healthcare. I've worked in technology. Um, worked in some insurance-related healthcare roles. Uh, so it's it's been great. I think one of the things that I've really loved about uh, the people space is just how dynamic and how purpose-driven the work is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's been a wonderful career so far. And where do you work now? Sure. So I work for an organization called Mindula Health. And uh, we provide uh, a number of different services, but essentially an easy way to think about it is um, we provide telehealth services for behavioral health members and patients. And what, what is your role within your organization? Sure. So I am the Senior Vice President of People and Culture. And what does that entail, would you say? So my role runs the gamut. So um, I think one of the things that I had mentioned about my background is I've held a number of different positions um, throughout my career, Uh, some specialized in benefits, some specialized in recruiting and people operations. So the the nice thing about my role at MyDoula is that I have the opportunity to really dig into all different aspects of people and culture. So it's my responsibility to build a people experience where our team members can thrive um, and do their best work. At the end of the day, you know, the type of work that we do, our, our team members are dealing with some pretty heavy things, right? They're, they're caring for mm-hmm. people who are going through some of the most difficult life experiences and challenges with mental and behavioral health. Um, so it's important for our people to make sure that you know, they have the tools, they have the resources to be able to do their work um, and do it in a way that they feel engaged and excited to be part of it. 
That's fascinating. Um, I really want to focus on kind of the qualities of the leaders in your team, good qualities as well as bad qualities, and kind of this effect that that has on like the greater organization. Um, do you maybe want to talk about some qualities of good leaders that you've seen and then maybe some qualities of bad leaders? And then from there, we can kind of talk about what effects you've seen this have on the rest of the people within the organization and how that's impacted the culture. Yeah, I think from a, I'll start probably with the bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit easier to start there. Mm-hmm. Talk about the and they're, they're so connected. It's it's tough, right? Because bad leadership can come in so many different forms, and it's so unique to the person and the team. Um, but I think in, in my sort of people-centered view of the world, I'd say the quality that I find most frustrating in leaders is um, when they have a general lack of empathy towards Mm -hmm. others. Um, And and I say that mostly because it really does impact the work that I and my team do um, in order to create that that positive experience for people. But um, essentially leaders who lack empathy essentially disregard the emotional needs of the people around them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think humans are inherently emotional beings and heavily relationship driven. so I think it's easy, you know, to say, oh, well, you know, that's, that's feelings-based work. Um, and that's not as important to the business as other more traditional specialties. But in my experience, you really see the impact most significantly when you compare the performance of a team that's run by a leader with high emotional intelligence and empathy versus a team that's run by a leader without those qualities. Um, and so when you have those leaders who just truly lack empathy for their teams and just have a hard time sort of putting themselves in that very human place to relate to their people, um, you know, you start to see that team fall apart and they're nowhere near as, as high performing as those who have leaders who run, you know, strong teams and, and have strong relationships. Um, there was a, there was a really, really great book that I read um, about a year ago. It was written by Daniel Coyle. It's called The Culture Code, mm-hmm. and there's some fascinating examples of this very thing in action and just sort of comparing highly functioning teams in a lot of different industries, and those those teams that were most successful were led by leaders who had significant empathy for people around them and high emotional intelligence. So I, I do think they kind of go hand in hand. Um, you know, the good quality leaders are those that listen to their people. They're those that take the time to really get to know you know the people around them that have a full understanding of the operations of their business and really own their craft, but mm-hmm. they understand how the human factor you know, impacts their ability to, to deliver for the business. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I think that there's, there's a definitely an overlap there, but I would say, you know, the qualities of a leader, um, someone who, who demonstrates high level emotional intelligence, you know, high level of empathy for pe- their people, you know, those are really the leaders that I think end up coming out ahead in the end. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I've definitely worked with coaches and even teachers who kind of have a lack of understanding for other priorities, which can be really difficult. And what I want to ask you is how members who aren't necessarily in the leadership position can kind of deal with leaders who maybe lack this sort of empathy. I know sometimes when you disagree with someone who kind of has authority over you, it's kind of hard to find that balance where you're not overstepping your place, but you're also advocating for yourself and getting your needs in. So I was wondering if if you had any advice for how to deal with some leaders who maybe lack empathy or other qualities that you seek for in a leader? 
Absolutely. I think one of the things that, you know, for, it, we've all been there. I mean, everyone has a boss. You know, even even the bosses have bosses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so regardless of how far up you get in an organization, I think one of the things that I try to instill in my team, um, both as a leader, but also I try to you know, role model for myself as well, it's just being honest. You know, it's it's very simple. It takes courage sometimes, mm-hmm. especially if you're dealing with somebody who has, you know, position of authority over you. Um, but I think there's a way that you can effectively disagree with somebody um, who, you know, who may be in a position of authority, but do it in a way that's honest and respectful, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you may not have the ability to change their decision, but you absolutely have the right to share your thoughts and your feelings on a particular topic. Um, and I think sometimes there's a couple different ways people take it. Sometimes they either they're shut down and they'll, they'll just assume that the more senior level leader won't be interested in their opinion. So they won't offer it at all. Mm-hmm. Or in other cases, they might, you know, they might deliver their thoughts or opinion in a, in a way that's argumentative or disrespectful to the senior leader. And then that ends up, you know, causing some problems of insubordination and whatnot. Um, but I think there is a middle ground there. You know, you can have an open, honest conversation with a leader and share your thoughts and feelings on something, you know, and do it in a way that's respectful without damaging that relationship. And I've found in my experience as a leader, when my team you know, has come forward with their concerns, I actually am proud. You know, I'm proud yeah. that because what that shows to me is it shows me that the space is, is safe for them to do so. Um, and so we've created an environment where that's, that's acceptable and that's okay. And it's actually, you know, it's, it's welcome. Um, you know, so I, I think that's something that I would recommend for individuals that are in that situation where they may have a disagreement or feel compelled to share something that they just do so honestly and respectfully. And I think that more senior leader, if they're a good leader uh, and they have empathy yeah. and have emotional intelligence, they'll appreciate that. Good. And so and that's a really good point. I like what you said about um, the honesty of it, but sometimes, and I'm sure you've encountered this yourself, so feel free to bring up examples. Sometimes you just are working with someone that you just don't get along with. I don't like you guys may like kind of agree on stuff, but your way of working together, your strategies, they just like do not align at all. And so maybe you can have that kind of opus, honest, open and honest conversation about what you need, but you guys just tend to approach situations very differently. And what would your advice be for handling situations like that? Yeah, no, that happens actually all the time mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in the world space. And I think a part of it is just learning. One, I think there's two prongs to that. One is learning to become self-aware. Uh, try to gain you know, a deeper understanding of your own strengths and natural tendencies um, and you know, understand how your natural communication style is or comes across and, and sort of the effect or impact you may have on others. And then Kind of on the second you know, piece of that is just try to take a step back and try to appreciate and understand the type of communication style, personality traits that that person has. Um, you know, every single place you'll ever work, every role, you're always going to have you know people who have differences in their approach, their communication style, their belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be able to find a way to work together because if you are always expecting everybody else to sort of cater to your natural style you're going to find this problem will follow you, you know, as you go and, you know, from employer to employer. And so you have to be willing to be flexible, learn your, learn a lot about yourself and how you can, you know, tweak the way you approach situations, but then also seek to understand 
um, the individual that you're working with and what is sort of their natural communication style too. It doesn't mean you're 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 ever going to become the best friends at work, right? But you have to be able to develop a relationship where you get the job done in a way that is you know, balancing that level of respect for one another. Um, I would say the sort of the next level of that would be just trying to establish some common ground. Mm-hmm. An organization's mission and core values are a great great way to do that. Uh, at the end of the day, you're both there for the same reason. Um, if it's a mission-driven or push, push, uh, sorry, a um, purpose-driven organization, then that's a lot easier to do. But if you have an organization that's really strong in their mission and really strong in their in their core values, it's easy to be able to find those commonalities and things that you both believe in. Right? You both want the team to be successful. You both want to deliver great great value to your customer, whoever your customer is. So if you can agree on some of those things that helps to alleviate some of the noise around you that's getting in your way of of building an effective relationship that that was very very nicely said um so we talked a little bit about what a leader is to do when they're kind of in a position where they don't agree with other leaders um i want to ask you about any other situations you've had with leaders or people in your team where they have other challenges to overcome especially for people in positions of power and authority what sort of challenges may they face and maybe pull in some personal examples that you know of if you can yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely have one that comes to mind. So you know, several years ago, I was running a team, um, you know, I was running a recruiting team, and I had a leader uh, in the organization as a, as a director, so I was in a management role, um, but I was working with a director who was my customer at the time. So if you think about in the world of HR, your customers are um, not what you would think of in terms of traditional customers. They're not buying a product from us, mm-hmm. but they're internal customers. You know, they're employees, they're leaders in the organization. And I remember I had a situation where I had a leader in the organization who was frustrated with one of my team members. And um, this was a leader who was really short-staffed, and they were looking to my, my um, direct report to try to fill some positions quickly, and they mm-hmm. weren't getting the outcome that they were hoping for. And so, you know, we had gone back and forth to communicate. We were, you know, we were looking to schedule some time to connect. Um, my schedule was, was pretty crazy that day. And so I needed to push it out to the following day. And I remember as I was on my way out um, of the office, I was on my way out to go pick up my, my children at the daycare center. And this leader showed up at my office mm-hmm. and, and started yelling at me in front of, you know, the entire office and telling me how I needed to prioritize his needs. Wow. And, and the fact that my team was not meeting his expectations and that this needed to be solved immediately at that moment now this was well after traditional business hours you know I probably had about like less than 30 seconds to run across and grab my kids before I was going to be um charged extra money um but the example was that this leader you know was frustrated but chose to demonstrate that level of frustration in a really unprofessional way that mm-hmm. was not aligned with our core values as an organization or just even a sort of general you know, professional courtesy. Um, and so, you know, I ended up having to sit down with this leader. We didn't deal with it at that time. I said, you know, I appreciate you're frustrated. You know, I'm happy to give you a call right now. This is not the place and time to have this conversation. Um, so what we did is we agreed that we would set up some time the next day. And in that conversation, this was interesting because here it is a customer of mine, right? You know, so it's not somebody who I have any control of. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, he, he could easily go to my leadership team and, and tell them that I was not meeting his needs. And, um, and that would be, you know, that would be concerning, right? We all want to do a good job. Yeah. Um, but what I had to do in that situation is I had to basically hold them accountable 
for the inappropriateness as a leader and, and his failure to demonstrate the proper leadership qualities that our organization hold that hold you know hold dear. Um, and we were very clear as an organization on what those values were. So it, this was clearly a, a behavior and incident that should not have happened at the senior level. Um, and so it was interesting, and that you know it was difficult because. You know, while I certainly understood he was frustrated for a reason and there were things that we could do better to deliver a better experience and a better service, I had to own that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, hold a leader accountable to which I didn't have direct responsibility for or uh, positional authority over. Um, looking back, you know, I wouldn't have done it any other way. I think it would have been easy for a lot of leaders to just sort of either one, you know, blow that off and just say, oh, you know, that's just so and so being so and so. But I had an obligation not only as you know, a leader within the HR space, but just I had an obligation to my team and to show them what leadership should be and what leadership isn't. Um, and so you know, I thought that was an important opportunity for us to rise to the occasion. And I think we did. I think we, we had a really good conversation. Um, I think he learned a good lesson and uh, I, I think it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And um, you're so clearly knowledgeable and experienced in your field in in your career, but I'm sure it probably didn't start off like that or didn't seem like it for you kind of working through a lot of these troublesome HR issues. What do you think is kind of the biggest area of growth for you since first started working in HR versus now? And what advice would you like to give to your past self? Oh, so great question. Um, the biggest growth for me personally has just been finding myself, you know, and just identifying the type of person that I want to be and the type of people yeah. leader that I aspire to be. And that came through a lot of trial and error. You know, people don't wake up. I mean, maybe I guess some people do, but people don't <laughs> just wake up and say, you know, I want to be a manager someday. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I, you know, someday I want to be the, the top, you know, top executive of human resources or people in culture. Um, but over time, I think you, you just learn so much about yourself and you sort of find these little things as you as you go about your career that are areas of strength. Um, or if they're not areas of strength, but they're areas of interest and passion. Um, I think sort of my path to leadership was not because, you know, I had this sort of you know, spark in my mind that said, you know, I want to be a manager of people. Um, it was the, I was motivated by the you know, ability to make change happen, to influence change and to make things better. Um, and I felt like I could do that best through people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's sort of like a, you start early, you know, before I got into leadership, it was informal leadership. You know, I was the one, you know, even in school, you know, I was the one that people would go to and ask for advice, you know, friends and, and family and, you know, people come to and ask for advice. Well, what would you do? Um, or can you help me with this? And I've got this sort of challenge that I'm dealing with. And I was the one that would help people talk things through, problem solve and, and work through those things. So that I think has just sort of led to a, a career path in leadership. Um, and I found it to be incredibly rewarding yeah. as I look at you know, some of the, the lives that I've been able to impact and influence, you know, over my career as a leader has just been amazing. I actually just had a conversation with an individual um, yesterday, actually, who I was, uh, I was their first leader in HR and, um, and it, it was a really fun experience. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, when I was working with her, she was, you know, she was so new in her career, you know, she would make mistakes and get so frustrated at herself. Yeah. You know, these are so small <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. These are so small, but I get it. You know, when you're, um, when you're just so, 
you know, so interested in making a positive impression, a good impression and doing the right thing. But then fast forward seven years later, and she's now, you know, running HR operations at a booming uh, software company. You know, it's amazing to see that growth and to see the level of impact that you can have on other people as the years go by. Um, And so, you know, that's sort of been an interesting learning opportunity for me. Um, And my advice to myself, you know, if I were to go back and look at my career, myself in some early stage of my career, I would just say keep keep pushing. You know, I think there there are times in people's careers for a lot of different reasons that people sort of take a step back or, um, you know, they they pause, you know, on their professional goals and aspirations. Um, Personally, I wish I had completed my master's earlier in my career before (laughs) I had children, (laughs) before life got really hard. Uh, you know, but no one really tells you that. Like as soon as you graduate and get your undergrad, it's like, oh my goodness, you have some breathing room. Yeah. I, I would have just kept pushing, you know, because once kids come along and you start building a family and a life around them, you know, it's much more difficult. So maybe that's it. You know, I would just say keep pushing and, and challenging yourself and don't ever stop. I mean, you'll continuously if you always focus on continuous improvement, uh, there's nothing better, right? Because you're constantly learning, keeps you sharp, keeps you healthy. Um, so yeah, that would be it. Well, that's all I have. I just want to thank you so much for um, all the information and knowledge that you have shared with me. Um, I'm sure the total of 10 listeners that I probably have for this episode are really going to learn something interesting from it as well. So thank you so much, Brandy. Yeah, you're welcome. And actually, you know, one more thing I just wanted to yeah, share go ahead. because you had asked me a little bit about my company. And so I was hoping that we could, you know, just talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, our, our mission is to transform behavioral, behavioral health, you know, through technology. And mm-hmm. so we are doing so many amazing things in improving and protecting, you know, our, our people. And so I'd love for, you know, if, you're, if people are interested to learn a little bit more about careers at our organization, you know, check out our website. It's mindula.com. Um, some really great, exciting careers out there in the behavioral health field. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. Thank Enjoy you. the rest of your night. Bye. Bye. For those of you who are hoping to learn a little bit more about The Culture Code, the book that Brandy was talking about, or My Doula, the organization that she's a part of, I will include links to the book and the website in the bio of this episode. Next time on the second segment of this leadership series, I will be talking to two very close friends of mine. I will be hearing a little bit more about their leadership positions and their leadership styles. So thank you all for tuning in today, and I will see you next time on Listen with Leah.